Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Welcome back to More To It, the show that takes a deep dive into the biggest stories in sports, entertainment, and culture. Start with headline news and then journey into deeper conversations, always finding those life lessons that are presented in every single story. I'm your host, Marcel Swally. That dude. Oh, man. People are looking at me like, you all right? Like, I'm on a survivor trip. No, this is a Hawaiian vacation. But I do know I look a pure mess. Starting to scare my kids a little bit. Uh, they they start grabbing your head a lot slower. Like, when they loving you and feeling you, oh, daddy, I love you so much. And now they're going like, daddy, daddy, you okay? I get it. The bear look is in full grizzly effect. Oh, man, we're going to have an amazing show because we always have an amazing show. That's what we do around here. But first... Let's start off with what's up with that dude. Well, this is my last day on my vacay, my last day in Aloha Paradise. And I know you guys are looking forward to me going back home, not just because of the studio and the normal setting, but because I will shave when I get back home. And look, this vacation has been great. Uh, It's been so much fun. We've seen so many different families out here. I mean, no lie, it's been a reunion. Ran into Brian Baldinger, y'all know him with the finger from the NFL Network. Eric Weinberger, who used to be an executive there, gave me my first job ever in major media at the NFL Network day one, saw him. Jesse Buss, I told you, he ran for me yesterday in that Laker Clipper game. He didn't want to see me. Talking about, oh, yeah, we went on a, a excursion, and then we went on another excursion. I was like, dog, it's okay. It's halftime. Y'all down by 20. I understand why you haven't come to watch the game with your boy. Um, just tremendous family reunion, it felt like, and friends everywhere. So the family was in full effect. Had a ball. Favorite part of the vacation? No doubt. Throwing all these kids up in the air. Um, not only are the fathers kind of like trying to compete with me, and you got to be prepared to throw the kids up in the air. It's not just how big you are. It's not just how strong you are. You got to have your technique down, or else you're going to be a one-hit wonder in that pool. And I've seen a couple of fathers go out there with their little muscles. You know, they got those dad bods, but those are the kind of dads that take a little testosterone or the dads that do a little HGH. I don't know what the hell these old dudes be doing out here, but every now and then you catch a 50-year-old with some muscles. You be like, did you play ball or are you doing that thing? But um, they try to keep up. 
Couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. I, I've been preparing for this my whole life because I got MJ. MJ and I, we go at it. I always tell my boy, be nice to your sisters. Not because they're girls, because they're half your age. He's seven, four, and three. I'm like, do not bring the pain to them. Or I'm going to go grab one of these 14-year-old boys and let you know how it feels if he hits you as hard as he can. So he gets it. He takes out all his frustration on me, and I'm the big bear pillow that takes it. So it was the throwing the kids up in the air because we kept recruiting kids because they're like, dog, I want to do it. And the Lonnie ties, which sound like what they are, a Hawaiian version of a Mai Tai. I've been having a ball with those two, pounding them. Uh, we leave today at 1 o'clock. We land tomorrow at one o'clock in the morning yeah it's one of those trips so poor kids poor me poor us pray for the wiley family all right let's get into this topic right here and prayers up for the masters as they are still in search and discovery for the next tiger woods how do we even get the next Tiger Woods? Let's just be real about it. Well, the Masters tee is off today. It's already started. Uh, tee times, Eastern Standard Time. So this has already occurred. But we saw Tiger Woods go at 10.18. Justin Thomas, 10.42. Rory McIlroy and Tom Kim at 1.48. Now, y'all probably sitting there like, why is Marcel talking about golf? Full disclosure, my first sport in life was not football. Not basketball, was not even track and field, the sport I love the most. It was actually golf. I'll tell you those stories after we go on this journey for the next Tiger Woods. Okay, so a lot of people are circling my man Tom Kim. Don't know who he is. He's this 20-year-old phenom uh, that's kind of come out of nowhere. Like, phenom in a sense of, wow, it's happening fast. But just a year or two ago, we were like, who is this dude? We saw his charisma on display. You know he's killer with those irons you can see, see all of that now he got his nike uh, sponsorship so the guy is on his way but where was he like two years ago uh, a lot of people didn't see him they didn't see him coming just got his tour status in those last two years he had temporary status on the pga tour turned that into a couple victories now people are like we're gonna watch tiger woods just because that's what we do Tiger Woods is still the king of this sport in terms of viewership and ratings. But we're looking for the next Tiger Woods. I certainly know the PGA Tour is, and Liv is sitting there hoping that they don't find him. Now, how did we even get a Tiger Woods? Let's start off with the basics. We all know. It started off with that unique talent. And that unique talent we saw on display on television when he was like two years old. What did that allow us to do? Not only identify a phenom, but go on the journey with him. And this was such a unique journey, not just because of how much time we were able to commit to watching him go from two, three, four, five. Then next thing you know, the guy is in high school. Then is he going to Stanford? Then he's, bro, you got to ride that journey with him. But also, let's be real. It was a unique journey, right? Confronted with so many social issues. Let's go back to Fuzzy Zeller and his statements before. Because Tiger Woods, not only being black, but uniquely black in terms of Tiger Woods wanted to open up all of who he was to the world. Because Tiger Woods wasn't just exclusively black in his eyes. But boy, did he meet the confrontation of identity when he tried to show pride in all who he was. So look at Tiger Woods phenomenal at what he did. 
a prodigy at what he did and also showed us so many social issues and so many social ills that need to be confronted or cured. And Tiger Woods was the guy who was in the middle of all of that. We got to see it, a mystique to a golfer, which was like just complete contrast to us. We are looking at the sport of golf typically as a sport that is well manicured and you have to be perfectly mannered and there's a certain culture and you got to abide by the customs of the sport or else, oh, you can't even play golf. Forget about actually being a good golfer. It's like they won't even accept you in the club, right? Unless you acted a certain way. Here comes Tiger Woods and the way he acted was something unique to that entire golf experience. And that was great. Whether you're talking about the fist pumps or whatever the hell you want to call that. I mean, I mean, to, to them, that was boisterous. To them, that was like exclamation. Tiger Woods in the all red on Sunday doing this. So now, are they going to find another one? And I hate to be the guy that says never, but I'm going to say never. I can't see how you're going to find that package again. And I know. Use this clip against me, and I beg you to use it against me because I want to find the next Tiger Woods. Is it Tom Kim? I don't know. If we thought it was Rory McIlroy, we thought it was Jordan Spieth, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We have not found that guy just yet. So once we find the biggest star on and off the course, is he still going to be able to captivate us like Tiger Woods? Like I said before, I don't think so. I say never. What do you say? Ooh, I got to calm myself down because we're about to talk about someone who quote unquote cheated. And there's a minor leaguer out there who rips Fernando Tatis Jr. as a cheater after the Padre star hits a home run. All right, a little backdrop on this from Fernando Tatis Jr. I love saying that name. That's a sick name. Hey, hey, first of all, first of all, if your name your family name is Tatis. And then you look at little man when he's born and you rubbing him, trying to keep him warm. He's like, your name's Fernando. Fernando Tatis, let me just tell you right now, sign him up. He is going to ball out. That is the best name for a baseball player. I digress. Uh, he said he expects to face plenty of vitriol from opposing players and fans in 2023 because of his positive test last year for performance-enhancing substance. Mm-hmm. The star got an early taste of it on Wednesday night. Tatis belted a solo home run Wednesday. And during the second minor league rehab game with the AAA El Paso, where he'll play the next two weeks, as he completes an 80-game suspension. He got booed while rounding the bases by the home fans in Sacramento. Then Tatis also caught flack on social media from Cade McClure, who's the pitcher who allowed the home run. McClure was responding to a video highlight of Tatis Homer and called the Silver Slugger a cheater. Oh, my God. And he was in that game, obviously, because of that steroid suspension. Now, you guys can see the tweet right there. And then the retweet from McClure, who also said, quote, 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 you'll be telling people for years about the time he gave up an absolute nuke to Fernando Tatis Jr., but that guy hit with the, whoo, the stars, and Cheater hits a home run on a rehab assignment during a steroid suspension. Got me to thinking, you know me. I was all natural with my 10 years in the NFL, and I'm not saying that like I'm holier than now because I don't have regrets, but I have played with some guys who did cheat 
who went on to have better careers than me. And frankly, the only regret that I had in my entire playing career was the fact that I couldn't stay healthy. And then talking to those guys, they said a large part of the reason they did it wasn't to play better, but just to stay healthy so that they could play as well as they could. And I swear to y'all, in my 10-year NFL career, I never thought about it in those terms. I always thought about it the way they literally said it, performance-enhancing drugs, right? So I was like, dog, I'm big, I'm strong, I'm fast, I can play. I just keep getting hurt. So forget steroids. I don't need steroids. I need some wonder drug that keeps me from getting hurt. And guess what those dudes told me, those cheaters. Dog, that's what you think? Who do you think we were taking it for? <laughs> we were taking it so we could stay available, so we could go out there and play as well as we could, which will lead us to more money and opportunities. <sighs> Never, ever thought about it. So I'm asking you guys, as I'm thinking through this right now, is Fernando Tatis Jr. a cheater for life, right? Are we going to stamp him, Mark McGuire, Barry Bonds, Sammy Sosa? Are we going to stamp him like that, despite some of those guys? Barry Bonds, did he ever get caught? But still, we're like, mm. well, Fernando Tatis Jr. actually got caught. Remember he said that he was taking it? He was taking a cream that he was taking for ringworm. But the cream had close close to ball, close to ball. See, y'all know I never took steroids. I can't even say the word. Close to ball, a synthetic form of testosterone. Mm. Now, I know one thing about these cheaters. <laughs> that they all got to take some masking agent and always stay ahead of the testing so that they, quote, unquote, don't get caught. So they'll take all kind of crazy stuff to just throw you off the scent and throw you off the test so that they could take what they really want, right? So now you got ringworm. You're like, oh, I had to take this. Oh, my God, I didn't know it was in the cream. Sure, you didn't know. But is he a cheater for life, right? We're talking about a 24-year-old. The rest of his career, no matter what he does, what if he all of a sudden gets clean and he test him and test him and test him and never, ever do we catch him again? Is he all right or is he still a cheater? DeAndre Hopkins comes to mind, right? DeAndre Hopkins got busted and then uh, me, I'm like, all right, sorry, you're a cheater. But then Diop, it's like, dog, first of all, I wasn't doing this my entire time. Second of all, I did it for this reason. And now test me all you want. I'm not going to get caught again. What do you do in situations like that? Man, I'm not regretting it, but I swear, if you now will pose to me, 21-year-old rookie version of me who knows what I've been through, I could give you this, some cl cluster ball, and you can take it. And guess what? If you take it, I ain't going to say you're going to get 10 sacks every year, but you ain't going to miss 10 games. You're not going to get hurt. Oh, no, mama. Yeah, raised no cheaters, but I became something. <laughs> I don't know. That is crazy. So you think he's a cheater or are you one of them people that's like, look, let's be real. These are athletes. I expect my athletes to try to do something beyond the line, right? Cross the line, blur the line. If you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. Are you that type of fan or are you the type of fan like, nah, nah, once you get busted, it's a wrap. Because Cass came to me only one time in my entire NFL career about doing something extracurricular. And it wasn't even an NFL player. I was at a gym in San Diego, just kind of really flexing. I could have went to the facilities like I always did, but this was a local gym, a little closer than the facilities. Plus, that's where the girls were hanging out and working out. And just imagine this, y'all, because this is real. You are 25 years old. You are playing for the local team 
a pro team. There are billboards and all kinds of stuff and commercials running of you. And you go to the local gym. And I did it. I'm telling y'all straight up why I did it. Because I wanted to get hollered at. Like going in there, every dude's like, oh, dude, that's Marshall. And every girl's like trying to play it off. And you know, once a girl lets you catch her staring, you got her, right? So I'm working out in there just chilling, chilling, chilling. Really not doing a great workout because they don't have the same equipment we do at the Chargers facility. But I'm getting it in. And next thing you know, pow, 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 this dude hit me. Some kind of surfer cat, typical. And he was like, hey, bruh. You know, you look good. You want to look great? And I was like, huh? And that turned into a conversation that was a little bit different. Little bit different. Distant to what I wanted to do. So I'm not mad. I'm not virtual signaling. Um, I'm kind of pissed I didn't do something to stay healthy <laughs> other than work out uh, and pray. Uh, I, I'm not even genuinely mad. I'm actually evolving in this position because I used to have this hard line. Once you cheat, I'm done with you. Forget your career. And I think I still do, but I'm losing a little bit of the grasp on that. So tell me what you guys thinking. Are you thinking they some lying, sneaky, cheating asses like I did <laughs> or like I still do? Or are you like, yo, you ain't cheating. You ain't trying. Still connected to La La L.A. Because, you know, we just went through our holiday yesterday as the Clippers played the Lakers. Why do I even say it that way, right? The Clippers beat down the Lakers again. That's what the Clippers do. Dog, this is insane. This win streak that these Clippers have been on. But we're not just going to focus in on that. We don't do typical news stories over here. We always got to get that intersection of a deeper message where it intersects with life or some personal stories, right? So let's talk about the revenge game that Russell Westbrook had and was getting praised by all fans across the NBA, especially those Clipper fans for his revenge game as the Clippers beat down LeBron James and the Lakers. Oh, let's do the news part. The Clippers earned their 11th. Yes, I said it. As I told this kid in the pool yesterday, the little smart little four-year-old, dude knew what 19 times 19 was. I was like, MJ, you want to you transfer? You want to go to a different school? We ain't getting into Columbia like that. If, if four-year-olds know what 19 times 19 is, I was like, damn, MJ, we in trouble. Um, I, then I had to throw him off. I said, okay, what's one and one? And he thought I said one plus one like everyone else would. And he said... Two. I just told you what 19 plus not 19 times 19 was. I said, no, one and one is 11. <laughs> he was like, you're dumb. Okay, he was right. Uh, but let's just put it together. This is the 11th straight time the Clippers have beat the Lakers. Goodness. In a row, y'all. That's what I mean, in a row. Uh, 125, 118, garbage time, points, blah, blah, blah. So the MVP, Brody, 16-17 MVP at 14 points on 6-12 shooting, which matters when you talk about Russell Westbrook. Go along three boards, four assists, a steal, a block, and a few points. Y'all catch that? And LeBron, like, hey, bro, because you know him and LeBron are actually neighbors. Yeah, they live across the street from each other. <laughs> I ain't going to tell y'all no more, but uh, yeah, neighbors, former teammates, and let's just say that... Um, LeBron might have had something to do with Brody leaving because he had something to do with Brody coming. So let's just talk about that. Norman Paul or Norman Powell led all the Clippers uh, 27 points. We saw Kawhi throw in 25, blah, blah, blah. All the Lakers starters except one had double digits. I don't want to hear about this, oh, back to back. Oh, we just came off a road trip. and Oh, it was an overtime game. Y'all never beat the Clippers. It just is what it is. Let's talk about what was happening and what this means for the Clippers and the Lakers. Fifth place seed now for the Clippers. All right. 
Yeah, that's right. Because this game, they came in same exact record, both sitting there at the sixth seat. That drops the Lakers to the play-in tournament, the NIT tournament that they are going to be in right now, trying to get into the real playoffs as of now. Now, let's talk about the fact that when you see all of this happening, oh, poor Lakers may be deflated. Why y'all may be deflated? Because y'all putting in a lot of work. You're 12-6 and six in your last 18 games, putting in a lot of work. They end up with that 7 for 8th seed, but it's better than nothing, right? Don't want to be the 11th seed. Don't want to be on the outside looking in. So let's talk about the revenge game because we saw Brody go out there. You can't say he played with more energy this game than normal because the dude always plays with an emotional drive, the energy that we see on full display every single time. Like, seriously, I can't name another player especially another great that plays with that constant level of energy. Now, it's not always the most efficient. We know that because like anything, you got to have gears. You got to be able to shift gears. So going in sixth gear sounds amazing, but sometimes you need to downshift fifth, fourth gear, set them up. And he does that as well. But constantly, the dude is in overdrive in terms of intensity, correct? Uh, full disclosure, I know Russell Westbrook. Our families know each other. Uh, families hang out. Uh, good good dude, man. Really a great situation for him right now to be somewhere where he's being welcomed once again. Because I think we're forgetting of his greatness because it didn't work out with the Lakers. It didn't work out with the Lakers, not largely because of him. He was the same Russell Westbrook that he's been before. Now, not at his height, but what he was in Washington and of late. But what happened when he got to the Lakers is, oh, he wasn't even supposed to be Batman. He wasn't even supposed to be Robin. What he's supposed to be? I guess the Joker. Oh, who's next in that series? Uh, he's supposed to be somebody else. And all you saw were injuries. Not only to Anthony Davis. Let's be real. LeBron tapped out as well and got injured. And they put all that on Russell Westbrook. And they're like, dude, you're a former MVP. You're still tilting at 100%. Go out there and lead us. And when he couldn't lead them, all of a sudden they blamed him. That's how I think you sum up that situation with the Lakers. That said, now he's with the Clippers. There's no doubt you're not the Batman. There's no doubt you're the Robin. We know your position, and your position is here, and we just want you to play with energy, help us in transition, help us in pace, and that's what he's doing. But a revenge game is a little different. Why? You're familiar with those dudes, and you got issues with those dudes, some of them if not all of them, because you're like, dog, I was there. Y'all brought me in, welcomed me. We all went out for wings and things before. And then all of a sudden, nobody knows nothing when it's time for me to got, get traded and not even traded to the Clippers. Don't forget it was that pit stop. He had to go to Utah and do the buyout to get back to the Clippers. Lost some money in that process as well. You don't let those things go. You don't let those things just stay light in your heart. Nah, you got a heavy heart when you're playing those boys that you used to run with. And I've been through that before when I played in a revenge game with Buffalo Bills versus the San Diego Chargers. And boy, ah, let's just say it is hard to contain your emotions in those moments. But if you're able to channel that energy, you could got only go out there and be productive, but also punch it to him personally. As you saw Brody a few times look at LeBron like, hey, bro, a neighbor, a former teammate, a goat. Your boy's over here loving life and balling out of control. And don't worry, I'll tell you out of that San Diego Buffalo story shortly. This one gonna be hot 100, right?
because I've been having this conversation a lot privately, right? It's one of those conversations that easily goes down that slippery slope and starts to sound like sexism. Oh, I've had this conversation publicly a couple of times and every time I was accused of being sexist. Why? Because I declare that the WNBA sucks and I know it does. And that's okay. Guess what else sucks to me? Um, I'm not a big fan of NASCAR. All right. Y'all can love NASCAR. Great for you. I don't like watching billiards on TV. It sucks. You can love it. Boy, Ben, you may not like football. That's okay. But we're going to talk about it deeper than just my opinion, but by the numbers and actually by the words of those who not only play in the WNBA, but those who are projected to play in the WNBA. Then I want to hear what you guys got to say. Now, why is this so near and dear to my heart? Well, Pretty obvious. I have four kids and three daughters, right? And there was a time where my daughter dabbled in the sport of basketball, but then her DNA, especially the DNA she got from her father, told her she ain't going to play basketball very well because I can't play basketball very well. So my 24-year-old daughter ends up going to UConn on a track scholarship, not basketball. Damn, UConn basketball? Woo! She had to be hella good. Uh, let's just say she was hella bad. It's all good, y'all. But that's the first time I really started to bring it home in terms of the WNBA conversation. Now I have two youngsters, a four-year-old and a three-year-old. And like every parent out there, as much as you can sit down with them and help them do their homework and go to all the PTA meetings and sit there and check on their report cards, we all fascinate on what sport our kids can play, if they can play any sport at all. While I'm looking at my four-year-old, She's the athlete in the family, greater than me, even greater than MJ. And I know MJ's going to be silly in something, but Araya is a monster. My four-year-old is special. Don't believe me? I'm going to just mic myself up around other parents, and you're going to have to hear what they say about Araya. She's just different. Olivia's are, are, are smaller of the, 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 the bunch. I call her my runt of the litter, and she's just little. And, and guess what? She's 75 percentile and 89 percentile in height, so she's going to be tall and little maybe a little motto in there. I don't know what the hell. But I've always thought about what sports. We all say women's tennis. That's the grandest of all women's sports, right? Then you can say, oh, women's golf. Yes. And then we say, hell no to women's volleyball. Why? Where's the pro circuit? I mean, they have one pro beach volleyball, but all those girls also work at FedEx and Amazon in off season because it doesn't add up financially. Let's just be real. So it's always golf and tennis. And then there's the WNBA with all that notoriety. And it is a pro level, but something is just a miss. Something, something just ain't right. Y'all remember that song? Well, let's talk about what's not right because this story got me right back to talking about it. All this talk we're talking about this week, Caitlin Clark, Angel Reese. And I'm like, these are phenoms. Caitlin Clark might be the Jordan of the sport. But what's next for them once they leave the college game? So let's have this fascinating discussion on why the WNBA sucks and how we really can fix it. Started off with UCLA's Charisma Osborne. Mama named you Charisma. Let's go. Said yesterday she, she's going to return to UCLA for a fifth season despite being projected a top 10 pick. Okay, y'all. Let's take this to college football. Top 10 pick. Is he coming back? Mm -hmm. You want to know why she's coming back? 
It's pretty simple. She's going to forego that projection because she can make more money staying in college with NIL money than she can going to the WNBA. For real. Now, we're not talking about like she's the Jordan of the college basketball game. She's not Caitlin Clark. And she still can make more money than being a top 10 pick in the WNBA. And let's just say she wouldn't be pick number 10, right? So, wow, hold on. Simply put, being a top 10 pick in the WNBA draft guarantees you nothing. Even being a lottery pick, the top four picks in the draft doesn't guarantee a player that much. Are you kidding me? All right. They said in the article, think about this. Very, very little turnover in the WNBA. Deanna Taurasi entering her 19th season. Candace Parker, 16th year. Dewana Bonner, 15th year. All of them. Rosters, short supply in terms of that talent level. Now, we're going to dive into the numbers. I was like, interesting. I looked and saw a recent comparison of the NBA numbers and the WNBA numbers because I don't want anyone to confuse this argument for what it is. It's a conversation of the product and what it produces and how can we fix this. Stop hiding behind gender. Stop hiding behind your social fears and trying to sound PC and just recognize something's not working. Despite we know that there are women ballers. Man, let's talk through it. The NBA versus WNBA in revenue. $10 billion with a B for the NBA. $60 million with an M. For the WNBA, average salaries, $9.6 million in the NBA, 102000 in the WNBA. Y'all need to stop playing. Get more just putting videos on YouTube. Ticket prices, $94 to $47, which is a lot closer than I expected, but there are a lot more games in the NBA. Highest paid player, Steph Curry, $48 million. Steph Curry on the shot, boy. Jewel Lloyd, $228,000. Average viewership. NBA Finals, $12.4 million. $412,000 for the WNBA. Average attendance, $17,184,5,679. Ratings, 7.6 rating, reaching $12.4 million in the Finals. NBA, highest viewed game, Ace versus Storm, 852,000 viewers peaking at 1.1 million. Okay, now I've had this conversation with two of the Mount Rushmore greats of the WNBA before, privately. We'll not tell you their names, but we've had this conversation. And let me break it down for you. This is how it goes. We know in the WNBA, they have smaller basketballs, right? It's an inch smaller and two ounces lighter than a regulation NBA basketball. That allows them to not only be more accurate, but shoot from deeper parts of the court correct all right makes sense but it's a smaller ball than the men's ball point one point two the three-point line is closer than the men's game 22 feet three uh for the men at 23 nine i should say for the men and it's 22 three for the women and 20.6 when you talk about the WNBA international game okay so the three-point line is closer The games are shorter, right? Four quarters for both, but 12 minutes NBA, 10 minutes WNBA. Starting to get where I'm going, huh? 
Okay, so we got smaller balls, closer three-point line, games are shorter. Roster sizes are even different. NBA roster, 15 players, a minimum of 12. You may have two additional players under two-way contracts who split time, all right, between the parent club and the G League. WNBA roster, maximum 12 players. Different age minimums. This one caught me off guard. For the drafted rookies, a player in a WNBA draft, 22 years old, must be 22. Wow. And a draftee does not maintain any contract guarantee despite being drafted. Did y'all hear that? You get drafted, ain't no contract guarantee. Top picks, too, ain't no contract guarantee. Player in NBA draft must be at least 19 years old and have at least one year of post-secondary experience. Okay, so that's just the standard differences between NBA and WNBA. I mean, objectively different games. Gotcha. We, let's sum it up one more time. Smaller ball, closer three-point line, games are shorter, roster sizes are different, and the age minimums are different. All right. Now, this is what James Dolan had to say, who owned the Liberty at one time, New York Liberty. He said, quote, the Liberty hasn't made money. Mm. He said this on Real Sports. He said, and its prospects of making money at the time and even today are still slim. Mm. He ended up selling the New York Liberty to Joe Tsai, who's the co-founder, executive chairman of the Alibaba Group. Man, I think he run, doesn't he own? He, oh, he used to own uh, the Brooklyn Nets, right? So this is coming from Adam Silver as well. Some of the numbers. He declared that the WNBA lost $12 million last year. Mm. And that's in part why the WNBPA, their players union, wants out of their CBA deal for clarity to see the books. And last but not least, the attendance for the WNBA was at its lowest in league history. Why am I bringing all this up? Because we just saw the highest viewership ever for the women's college game. And those players are sooner than later going to be in the WNBA. But as you're seeing, the culture of college basketball is telling them, stay as long as you can because there is nothing that's good that is awaiting you at the WNBA level. Ain't that a damn shame? We've all heard it. Oh, you more popular and famous being in college playing girls basketball, women's basketball, than if you go to the WNBA. And we don't address this? All right. So what's the fix? All right, Marcel, you laid out all the damn problems, you damn pessimist. What is the fix? And I've said this to those two Mount Rushmore players, and I'm going to say it to y'all. The fix is simple. Let me hide it first. <laughs> the greatest display of athleticism is why we really get captivated by sports, right? We get captivated by things that we can see someone else do that, frankly, we can't do, whatever that may be. In football, I think it's the touchdowns and the points that's most captivating. Look, we love to see a sack and a forced fumble and all that. But boy, a touchdown makes us think, Whoa, that boy just ran by everybody. Well, look at him light up that scoreboard, touchdown, and just elude everyone, right? In baseball, it's the long ball, right? It's that home run. What? Three, 400 feet? Wow. You go up to the batting cages and try and do it. Strike, 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 right? So, wow, we're captivated by that. In basketball, it's the dunk, not the three-pointer. And the three-pointer tries to rival it, but... 
watch their ratings, watch our response to the three-point contest versus the dunk contest, correct? So the dunk, whoa, 10 feet? First of all, most men can't even touch the rim. And I'm saying that for real. Most men I know can't touch the rim. <laughs> like, there's a lot of dudes that can, and there's a lot more that can't even touch the rim, let alone get a ball over it, let alone do something freaky, dinky, icky in the air and still bang. Most guys only can dream of doing that. All right, so what is the fix for the WNBA? I just told it to you. Just like the NBA, you got to allow the women to dunk. And there's one objective thing you can do to allow them to dunk. Lower the rims. Lower the rims? What are you doing? Uh-uh. This is the women's game. Don't you dare Oh, go out there and lower the rims. How, who you think we are? You don't think we good enough? You don't think we capable enough? You done? Lower the rims. Why? You already got a smaller ball. Why? Because you already brought the three-point line in. Why? Because the game's already shorter. You've already made compromises to the objective standard of what the NBA is. And there's one you're missing, that glaring omission of the rims. Let's start here, nine and a half. And you imagine, I don't know, Brittany Griner just drop step banging in traffic all game long. Not just breakaways, not just here and there. I mean, all game long. And if we don't get enough people that can bang at nine and a half, I dare say bring it to nine. And I know damn well all of a sudden, Candace Parker and all them, why? And with that exclamation point, I swear you have your greatest fix of the WNBA's game. Because then all of a sudden you're going to have greater audiences, greater viewership, greater attendance, greater fascination of watching people do what we can't do at home. Being real, I can't dunk right now. I could dunk in my heyday, and that wasn't even fancy. It was just a dunk. I could jump high, and I just couldn't dunk. It wasn't that coordinated. So I was always fascinated with dunkers. But I am not fascinated with a woman dribbling all the way down court and then doing an underhand layup or even an overhand layup or any layup. If the end of this sentence is a layup, that is not an exclamation point. And that is not going to captivate viewers to watch this game. It all is connected. Every sport has an exclamation point that we vicariously live through and say, that's it. Oh, I wish I could do that. But that's not the WNBA. And that's why sports that we know we can do ain't really that caught up in it, right? Who's watching billiards and bowling like that? <laughs> We're not, because we can do that. I go to damn Dave and Buster's and Lucky Strike or something and pull off me a 200 game. And sometimes you watch those guys in the finals. They won at 206, 212. Like, man, I'm close to that. You got to have that gap between what you can do and they can do. Now, let me tell you how those conversations went <laughs> with those two Mount Rushmore's when I said it. They were not happy. They were like, dude, that's just insulting. But they didn't really have an answer to when I said, but it's not insulting to have a smaller ball. It's not insulting to have a closer three-point line. It's not insulting to have a shorter game. Hmm. I think we got to take the emotions out of this. Just try it. Exca exhibition style. Harlem Globe try to style, whatever you want to call it. Three games, just let them bang at nine. And let us just see what that looks like. Guarantee you, it's going to be captivating. The last thing that I, I, I had a conversation about was how tough it is for the WNBA player. Think about it. These are mothers. These are wives who have to uproot their family because 
Not only are they playing in different cities, but they have to play year round to make the money that's necessary to support their lifestyle, which means they have to play overseas. And boy, are they unhappy about that. You imagine playing in a WNBA, playing for months and months, and then all of a sudden, oh, to really make money, got to go to Russia. Really make money, got to go overseas. Huh? And even that money pales in comparison to the men. Crazy. But if they were banging, I'm not saying it's the fix-all, cure-all. But I'm saying it's certainly going to close the gap. So they were like, dog, you have no idea. It's not just the fact that we're more popular and doing better now with the NILs in college. But also, we got to go now volunteer for year-round basketball just to make some real money. So as I sit here with two little ones that I'm like, the more options, the more opportunities, the better. Let's address this one. Because the WNBA is being subsidized by the NBA. And I don't think it needs to be that way. Or at least one last Hail Mary ditch effort to actually throw a Hail Mary basketball's version. Let's make sure these women can end those plays with a bang. All right, y'all. Y'all know how we end this show every day with a Wally-ism. Uh-oh, Froggy's back. Here we go. Only constant in life is change. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Only constant in life is change. How many of you guys have sleepless nights when you're actually forecasting, you're planning your life out, planning your day out, right? And you just got it structured. I'm married to someone who does that in bold, defined lines. Like every minute of the day is already calculated. And I'm like, woo! I hope you wrote that in pencil because the only thing that's constant in life and even your day is change. It's crazy, right? And I always tell my friends, I think the most successful people are the ones that can hit the curveball. I think a lot of times in life we get told and we get taught to hit the fastball and the fastball only. Yeah, because if you connect with that, it's going to go. It's going to fly. Yeah, that's going to be success. But it's those curveballs that catch you, right? Those off-speed pitches. So you got to make sure you hit the curveballs in life. Oh, I planned to go to breakfast, but now I can't because the kids just threw up on me. And now I got to go change them and wash them. And we got to take a shower. And then, uh-oh, there goes pool time. We're not going to be able to do that. And then, oh, the transportation is going to be here early. So, God, and the flights are going to change and schedule. Like, it's okay, y'all. Hit the curveballs. <laughs> like, really open up your focus. Open up your bandwidth to actually include those curveballs. So, remember, no matter what you're going through, give yourself some grace, some room for those curveballs because the only thing constant in life is change. All right, that's going to do it for more to it. Check the show notes for all the information on our topics today. Today! You want to keep the conversation going? I know you do. Let's talk. Find me on all socials at Marcellus Wiley. That's right. More to it is a production of Dan Patrick Productions, That Dude Entertainment, and Workhouse Media. Show is executive produced by Dan Patrick, Marcellus Wiley. That's me, that dude. Paul Anderson and Nick Panella. Ah, Marcel Swally. Thanks for listening. Thanks for those reviews. Keep them coming, man. I read every single one of them reviews. All what I got. 182 of them. <laughs> Something crazy. Um, I love y'all, man. There's more coming from more to it. Talk to you hella soon. Go. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. 
Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.